A year ago, it was purple down. What drugs are the Winnipeg Fire Paramedic Service getting calls about now? And how often is it happening? As you'll hear in a moment, we went off the rails quite quickly to open the show. But it did lead to, I think, an important conversation about the vacation days and the benefits that just get left on the table every year. Big news from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on Tuesday. Wade Miller joined us this morning to catch us up on that. And Greg bought gloves for the Grey Cup. Can't find them. So we had fun talking about the stuff that we got, only to immediately lose. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Wednesday, November 29th podcast for The Start. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Fortier back in the saddle after a couple of days off in master control, burning off the remaining... Yeah, you got any left, Forte, for this for this year? Are you carrying any over? Uh, yes, I'm gonna be carrying some over, but I'm also off next Friday and the following Monday and Tuesday. Very strategic with the. I like the way he's been booking his days. But then he worked like Sunday, like he, this yeah, past Sunday. Called, but then had, I know, but it just feels like you're not getting the break you're going for. Yeah, hey, it's OT. OT give, baby. Give me the money. Give me the money. <laughs> there, I actually read a report that was out just recently. You know, uh, different firms do polls and surveys of staff. And December, it, it must be such a headache for managers because that's when so many people get to the point in the year and we're all in that boat where you're like, uh-oh, I got these days I need to use. Plus it's Christmas or you have a different holiday you're celebrating coming up and you want the time off. Mm-hmm. And then we're all at the same time going to the boss being like, You How not- are you? Oh, you look so pretty today. Um, about my vacation time. Any thoughts of shutting down the radio station yeah. for a week in December? Oh, hi. <laughs> so we can all have Christmas I off. brought this coffee for you. Coincidentally, I have 19 days I need to use <laughs> yeah. between December 1st and the you 5th. You better not. <laughs> I don't. I actually don't. Not. I think I have very few left. I think I've maximized it this year. Well, because, that's good. And everybody should. Well, don't you get sick when you also read the headlines and you see how many people don't use all their vacation days and you think, what are we Heck doing, yeah. people? Yes. Like, we're stressed. We're tired. How many times have each of us said we're more tired now than we feel we've been in ages and we're still not using our time? Yeah. Come on. It, it's a conversation I had with uh, one of our colleagues a couple of weeks ago, the whole idea of making sure that you take all your holidays and also... Don't forget about your benefits. You pay a lot of money. If you have group benefits, you know, you may pay for them. You may not. Most of us pay something Mm -hmm. towards them. Make sure you use up all your things like your massages and your, you know, whatever you might have, massage therapy or I wonder if massage places are busy this time of year for the same thing. Well, maybe we'll have to ask. Yeah, like you get a ton of phone calls. I have 94 (laughs) massages I need to use again in my 19 vacation days. days. Exactly. I'll just live with you. I'll just live next to your... Therapy bed and uh, get like one per day. I have used the benefits before for massage. I don't actually know what the amount is. I know that I went for two massages one year and I didn't have to pay for either of them because the benefits covered them. And I thought I have no clue. But what I would love to do is be able to trade 
Like, I'll, I'll, you can keep the massage this year, but let me use that towards some new glasses because yes. your $250 every two years sucks. Yeah, you know,、uh, some... that's, a, that's, a, that's a pretty common thing in, in benefits. I, I've never had more than that anywhere I've worked. It's when I had benefits. For,、yeah. opt- for, for eyes. Yeah. Eyes seems to be the lowest one. And it's so weird we're saying that when we also know we've brought on optometrists this year who talk about the fact that more, more and more people are having issues with their vision. And kids more and more because of screens and all the rest that we're using. I'm shocked at how many benefit packages don't include vision.、Uh, I know some teachers that don't have vision coverage. Just, really? Like, at all? At all. That can't be, right? Yeah. No. But then I have a buddy who、uh, works in BC and I'm envious of his package. Ours is pretty good,、uh, but his is good. He's got like,、um, it's like a, a, a benefit savings account. Mm-hmm. And so, when there's a, like, a certain amount goes in there every month. And so, if there's a shortfall, say if he needs glasses、uh, and his vision coverage is only so much, if he's got a certain amount in this savings account that's attached to his benefits, then he can top it up with that. Or if he needs more, say, massage therapy or physio or whatever, based on something, he can draw upon that. That's so, that's, that's become a. Kind of a popular thing in the world of、uh, benefits. It'd w o u l d be cool if they had a way to reward, like if you weren't using your benefits, you got、yeah. a percentage of them back at the end of the year, and、Ooh. or they rolled into the next year in some respects. Like after just taking my kid to the orthodontist yesterday, I'm like, but we didn't use you for like 20 years. Please be kinder with this bill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I really, in a year, I'll use the, the vision. I'll use it. Like the vision is because it's what, $250 every two years. So that's guaranteed gone. Because、um, I, I use part of it to pay for my test. It won't, doesn't cover the entire test because I have to.、Uh, it's not, I'm not just getting the basic eye test, but they have to do some extra things because I wear contacts and that's deemed cosmetic. So the, that part of the test is out of my own pocket. Because, like, I don't have to. No, don't it's not、what? necessary for me to wear contact lenses. Ah.、Uh. I need、really? vision. I、yeah. need corrective、okay. lenses, but yep, because yep, I've yep. chosen to wear contacts instead of glasses, there, 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 is a, there are a couple extra tests I have to run, but that's out of my own pocket. Are contacts more expensive than the pair of glasses you might buy?、Uh, it depends on the glasses. Because、like, my contacts, I think a、uh, six month supply cost me around $100. Bucks. No, no, so. It sounds way less. It、expensive. sounds less than glasses. Yeah. And yeah. yet you're being penalized for choosing that option. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like this. But, to, but I, I, guess, I, guess, I guess 200, because if I'm spending 200 bucks a year versus, on contacts, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. versus say, if I, let's say I spend 300 bucks on a pair of glasses, that could last me, I don't know. Anyway, I, I just prefer wearing, I keep saying I want to get glasses, but then my benefits run out and I kick that can down the road. Because I, sh- I have a pair of glasses at home that I swear is like 25 years old.、Mm. And the lens, like they, I wouldn't wear them、uh, like downstairs. Because <laughs> I, I, I put them on in the morning. They're, they're enough to allow me to navigate my apartment without falling on my face. That's the extent that's of it. it. You should please bring them to work. It would be like the day Pam forgot her on the office, forgot her. Contacts at gyms, and she had to wear her old glasses, and、oh, everyone、no. just mocked her. Although、oh, that was an episode. <laughs> They were just thick. They were like the 1980s thick. Oh, no. What time does our show start <laughs> today, by the way? <laughs> When do we go on the air? Greg, what did you purchase for the Grey Cup? A couple of different things, but、uh, in particular, a pair of gloves.、Um, 
you know, I was looking ahead to the Blue Bombers winning the Grey Cup, and then it is my job to get out on the field and to interview the players in the joyous, celebratory atmosphere on the field at Tim Horton's field. But it could get kind of cold after the sun goes down and your fingers are sort of critical and working all the buttons on your phones to get the recordings and everything. So I thought I'd get one of those, you know, pair of gloves with the, you know, the magic touch so that you could touch your screen and everything. So I want to be all prepared. And of course, we all know how things went down. So on the weekend, I was out uh, doing some renovations to my son's bedroom, went buy some lumber and those big orange carts at Home Depot are pretty cold. So I used my new gloves and I haven't seen them since. <sighs> I don't know what I did with them. So I wore them exactly once. <laughs> did you go back I, to the store? They're probably just in the cart or no, somebody's wearing them. Somebody's enjoying them. And I, I hope you enjoy them because they're really good gloves. Yeah. And uh, so I'm, I'm a little despondent about it. And you didn't even get to wear them for no, their intended purpose. Yeah. Yeah. So it's doubly sad, Brett. <laughs> so at 204 780 6868, what is something that you lost right after you got it? Or maybe you threw it away by accident. Like you bought something and then you're like, okay, I got to clean up this mess. And you throw, you take the box out and throw it in the trash. And then you're like, where's the, where's the thing? Oh, it's still in the box. <laughs> I got to go crawl into the dumpster. 204-780-6868. Tyson Ruicki in for Cam Poitras on Sports. Why don't we start with you, sir? Well, my family was in Florida a couple years ago, and I'd found this sweet, it was just a sweet fisherman's hat, and it had a nice big marlin on it. And that was all it was. It was What's just a like, fisherman's hat? Uh, is like like that a style or just more that it's, you it's actually more, wear it fishing? It's more like so. The, it's more so about the the vibe with it. I got it. No, there's any fishing hat could be it or You're any hat could be a fishing hat. It? It's like oh, a bu- yeah. is it a bucket hat or what, like oh what? no, just a nice nice it's solid flat not flat brim but like a nice nice almost flat brim. But all right, all right. I loved it. I, I bought it right away. I was like, I'm gonna wear this hat forever. I'm never gonna lose this. And immediately, as soon as we got back, I was like, I forgot it. I can't believe I forgot the one thing I bought on this trip. <laughs> but then like three, I think it was like three years later, just ended up finding it in a backpack. Just sitting in my backpack for three and a half years thinking I lost, left it in Florida, but it was just sitting in my room. You had it the whole time? Oh, yeah. I love it when that happens. That's tomorrow's conversation. Things you find after you thought they were gone forever. That is one of the best feelings I've ever had in my life. Like that was that was pure, pure jubilation. Do you still wear it? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, fishing all the time. Okay, right on. <laughs> That's great. What what else was in that backpack after three and a half years? Oh, I don't even know. There's probably something I've lost like six years ago sitting around in there too. Okay. Um, how about a poppy? I know everybody, oh, I, as soon as you put it on, I, I've lost them for I, sure. I remember I, I grabbed, you know, I, I didn't, you know, you're not purchasing the poppy. You're, you're accepting it and then you make a donation if you can. But uh, I put one on in the store, got in my car, and it was already gone. <laughs> like, I, in the seconds that I opened the oh, car door and, and then I'm rough. like, where is it? I looked outside the car. I... No idea. Gonzo That's why I always question people who buy Christmas gifts or any gifts really early because you have to put them somewhere. Yeah. And then you, I think you forget that you we where you put them or that or yes. what you bought. That you well, wait a minute. Six months ago, I actually bought so and so their birthday present, and I can't find it. Oh, we unearth stuff in our basement all the time. <laughs> this does not fit the person we bought it for any longer. <laughs> we must donate it now. Oh yeah, all the time. 
Oh, and by the way, the, I, I've since figured out how to keep the poppy anchored, and that's thanks to our listeners who have come up with all sorts of creative solutions. So thank you very much for that. Haven't lost a poppy in three years. Uh, Sarah, what about you? So mine's a moving mishap. Um, so stuff I had bought within the year for, like, my college apartment during my last year. And then... Uh, 2020 March happened so then moving packing frantically trying to just get home packed up all my stuff shoved it in the U-Haul the end um but then and then when I got home I just shoved all the boxes into my parents garage because I was just living at home so I didn't need any of the kitchen stuff any of that sort of thing then I go to move here to Winnipeg and I'm unpacking boxes at my apartment here and I'm like where is like this box of like kitchen stuff? Like I don't have a cookie sheet. I don't have a frying pan. I don't have, which I know I had at this previous apartment. And I still have not found where this And it's box, not in the garage somewhere? It is not in the garage. I've checked every time I've gone home. It is the strangest thing. I don't know. Cause I had movers involved for my Winnipeg to Dryden move or Dryden to Winnipeg move. So I don't know. We asked them. I, it's gone. <laughs> So That's a lot of stuff. In, someone's enjoying some frying pans and kitchen stuff. Aww. I have no idea. Not a clue. So just bought, rebought. <laughs> so not a good end to the story. I've got cookie <laughs> sheets that are like new you can have. I do have because some. Because they were not yeah. used. <laughs> uh, Forte, what about you? So mine, it, it, it's not that I lost anything, but it was right after I purchased something. That's McDonald's. And last spring, purchased McDonald's and I'm walking home. This some music, and you know I want to switch the song, so I reach my pocket, grab my phone, and I'm switching songs, and that's when it happened. I dropped my McDonald's, oh and my it God. landed in a puddle. And you know the puddles in spring. They're completely dirty, so I freak out. I grab my bag, you know, <laughs> I get home, open it up, and I was like, yeah, this is not salvageable. <laughs> Just throw it oh, no. out. I didn't go back because I was too embarrassed. You know, I don't want to be like, oh, hey, I was just here and uh, I don't have food now. So I went to a different restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think they would do anyway? Would they actually make you a new order? It's not their fault. You lost the food in the puddle. I wouldn't expect them to. Oh, you just wanted to go back. I see what you're saying. I wanted my food. I was hungry. Where'd you go instead? Mary Brown's. Uh, Well, no. Okay. Went to Little Caesars, but but still, no, it was like, you know, 12, 13 bucks. Boom. Mm -hmm. Gone. Food. That's sad. That's just tragic. What about you, Loren? Well, this I don't think will surprise anyone. Like, I forget things when I have bought them. I've been in stores, paid for something, and just left and got in my car and drove, like, I'm, I'm at home and realized I never took the thing <laughs> I purchased. I was telling you guys this morning, I bought a pair of boots, beautiful blue boots. I just love them. High heel. Uh, threw them in the trash. Like, I, because I hate clutter. <laughs> so I go cl- pick things up. You know, and there's a box, and, you, and there were lights. So I obviously didn't notice that they were still in the box. Threw them in the through the box in the recycling. Recycling actually came that day, and I realized later that day that I had thrown up my boots. I've done that with mascara. Oh, they're gone. They're, they're gone. gone. Oh my gosh. Uh, this is this is like a and I once a year apologized to my mom back in high school. She never bought anything for herself ever. She only she she would never buy anything for herself. And so one Christmas we said, Mom, we're taking you shopping. What do you want? And she picked these two pairs of Gap jeans out that at the time cost us all a lot of money to contribute to this, and uh, I left them in the store. <laughs> like I, like I, I have so many stories. You were in charge of the bag. And I was you in left charge of the bag, and I yeah. once a year, like Mom, I'm sorry about those bag. those jeans, Mom. <laughs> she is not the bag man you want. Two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. What's something that you got and then lost very quickly, or maybe you threw something away by accident? Tell us your story for a chance to win either 
Winter Wonderland passes or tickets to see Serena Ryder on December 8th. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We're asking you about something that you got and then you lost, like right away, or something you discarded inadvertently, or maybe you just forgot something, like this next instance involving a cake. Gone in a flash. Large birthday cake with names of grandkids, kids, spouses, etc. Uh, set the, it on top of the car. My dad started driving. We found it on the road. A few minutes later, she was mortified. Grandma never got uh, too worked up about anything, but <laughs> got upset about this. Stuff that gets put on top of the car. Yeah. Coffee, Slurpees. Um, I put a wallet. I think I've told this story on the yep. way to Ontario. Had $600 in it. The wallet was on top of the car in Michigan. Did you get it? Yep. We turned around and found it just as a man was picking it up. Like he had pulled, he'd obviously seen it fall off the wow. car. I'm not saying he knew no. instantly that it was money and he was about to no. take it all, but yeah. what was he going to do? How are you returning cash that fell off someone's car? Yeah, no You're kidding. keeping that. My buddy Rob is uh, Milt Stiegel, like all pro-stitch jersey. Put it on his uh, Santa Fe for some reason. We went to watch the Grey Cup a few years ago. He wore it, put it on Santa Fe, drove away. Fortunately, his neighbor found it on the front street and mm. just had a guess that it was his. So he got it back. Like he he so he he put it on top of his car. Like why wasn't he just wearing it? He was wearing it at some point. And I think because I wasn't wearing a jersey, he decided not to wear a jersey. Something goofy like that. Okay. I picked him up. And uh, he still blames me for almost <laughs> losing. <laughs> he blames you. Oh yeah, it was my fault somehow. Oh, sure. Rob text me. I, I I'm 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 sort of foggy on the details here, but I know you blamed me once upon a time. Okay. And uh, you had somebody weighing in here as well from uh, Florida. Yeah. Listening to your show on Radio Player from Florida, Radio Player Canada. I have a story of a lost item years ago. My husband and I were in Los Angeles for vacation. We happened to be touring Universal Studios when a group of staffers were looking for audience mem- members for Jay Leno's first broadcast from his new studio. Of course, We were more than happy to oblige. After going through the lineup and proper studio protocol, we claimed our seats. So excited. And on top of it, they started throwing inaugural T-shirts into the audience. Yes, we caught one. Clutching it tightly throughout the show. So proud of our prize. After we enjoyed our first ever live talk show, we made our way back to our rental car. Souvenir in hand. The next day, we left L.A. and had to return the rental car Did I mention the uh, T-shirt was black? Unfortunately, it was well camouflaged in the black interior of the car. Once inside the airport, I realized our infamous shirt was not with us. Our shirt was proof. Gone, suffice it to say. Jay Leno's show was uh, also short-lived. 204-780-6868. Something you got and then you lost right away for a chance to win tickets either for Winter Wonderland or for Serena Ryder, December 8th at Club Region Event Center. We'll pick a winner at 915. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. In a moment, we shall expand on some exciting news we learned yesterday from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But before that, a reminder, we're asking you to tell us about something you got and then lost. What does Nat have to say? Long time ago, when I moved to Winnipeg from Vietnam, my whole family pitched in and got me a gold necklace for the going away gift. I was wearing it for a while, but I took it out and put it in my tuxedo's inner pocket. When time went by, I forgot where I put it, thought I had lost it forever, 
but about a month ago when I'm moving, my wife and I are cleaning out all the old stuff. We're sorting some things to give to the Salvation Army. When she got to the jacket, she asked, do you want to keep or give it away? I said, give it away. That's when she checked the inner pocket and pulled out my old necklace for my family. Wow. I was so happy, says Nat. And I said, sorry, when was the last time you had this necklace? And the answer was 1996. Crazy. That's crazy. And you had your own tuxedo. I want to know more about Nat's social life. (laughs) (laughs) Way to go, Nat. So keep those coming for a chance to win either a vehicle pass or Canada's Winter Wonderland or pair of tickets to see Serena Ryder December 8th at Club Regent Event Centre. In the meantime, we switch gears now. Well, it's kind of a bonus edition, really. Of breakfast with the bombers, right? Because then that's brought to you by cooperators. Find an advisor at cooperators.ca, a better place for you. Because 24 hours ago, rumors surrounding the Winnipeg Blue Bombers player management team were running rampant. Yeah, Paul Friesen of the Winnipeg Sun was reporting that his sources were telling him that the Blue Bombers had agreed to new contracts with general manager Kyle Walters and assistant general managers Danny McManus and Ted Govia. Just after 1 o'clock yesterday afternoon, the Winnipeg Football Club confirmed the trio, which has helped build the Blue Bombers into the CFL's flagship franchise, had indeed signed two-year contract extensions to continue their work here. Wade Miller is president and CEO of the aforementioned Winnipeg Football Club. Joins us now. Wade, good morning. Good morning. That was uh, great news yesterday. Lots of conversation about whether or not the the Blue Bombers would would be in a position. I think it was more financially. I think the speculation with regard to the front office uh, salary cap, maybe you could comment on that, Wade, in in terms of was there ever a question whether or not Kyle would uh, be back or not? You know what? It makes it very difficult uh, working under that uh, cap for for a group that's been um, that's been so successful and, and has such tenure and, and we were able to find a way to make it all work and, uh, make sure that we have enough money for our coaches and make sure we have enough money for everybody that's under that cap. So we're uh, glad to be able to get that done and get all three back. And, uh, you know, I mean, when you think in professional sports, um, this group along with our coaches, but this group specifically have all been with us, uh, 10 years. Uh, so, um, there's a reason why we're consistent on the field. Uh, it's because the consistency that we have uh, throughout the organization and football operations. Just before you started playing with the Blue Bombers, the, the names Bill Polian and, and Bill Quinter were synonymous with the Blue Bombers and their ability to find extraordinary players uh, from all over North America. And I always think of, of Ted and Danny in the same way, just their ability to find players that other teams don't seem to be able to find. Uh, They unearth some, some real gems. Just talk about the role that uh, Danny McManus and Ted Gouveia play in in all of this. They uh, kind of unsung heroes that uh, work extremely hard and, uh, you know, spend a lot of time on the road, spend a lot of time looking at tape, along with, uh, you know, we brought in a new scout, Cyril Penn, last year. So there's three of them that are working. He's going to be back as well this year. Um, you know, so it's uh, they spend a lot of time doing that work and don't get the glory for it, uh, you know, and, and spend a lot of time on the road. And uh, that's that's what what they do as a scout and an assistant general manager and do an excellent job for uh, for our organization. So let's talk about some of the people on the team, Wade, now that do get some of that glory that you referenced. You know, there's a core group of players that we were able or you were able to keep together coming into this season. How challenging do you think that might be going into 2024 to keep a lot of this group on the field together? Well, every year it's the same battle. Um, 
you know, what, what's going for us is that they all want to be here. They, you know, it's a great locker room. The, the, the players do a great job of, of, you know, playing for each other and the commitment to each other. And that makes it a lot easier to sign guys when, uh, when they, when they want to be here. And, and that, that's a huge thing. And, and then you add in our, um, you know, facilities is important, but more importantly, our fan base and, you know, um, people, you know, players want to play in front of big crowds. Uh, and that's what they do in Winnipeg. We've got such a, you know, avid fan base and, uh, you know, that, that helps our, our, our players love that. Um, so I think that's going to be an advantage for us as we work through getting everyone re-signed, uh, that we can and, uh, you know, get ready for the 2024 season. If you're just tuning in, our guest is Wade Miller, president and CEO of the Winnipeg football club. And Wade, we haven't spoken to you since the great cup. How are you processing all of that? Uh, well, it's, uh, you know, the, that's a tough one, tough one for the players, tough one for the coaches and our fans and, you know, disappointing. And, uh, so we get back to work and, you know, I, uh, right after it had, had a lot of work to do. Uh, so don't think you process that one. Don't think you ever forget that loss and it's disappointing. Um, and you got to just focus on, it was still an unbelievable season came right down to the wire in that game. And that's what makes football such a great sport is any team can win on any given day. And, you know, we need to win those, but, uh, it's still, uh, it was a great game and, uh, you know, everyone played, played their, uh, hardest and, um, you know, I almost swore there, but I, you know, I realized I was on the radio, so I couldn't, but everyone worked really hard and, uh, you know, so we're going to take that and we're going to build on that four great cup appearances, two wins. Um, that's great. We, we wish they were all wins and, and that one will sting for a while for sure. 2025, of course, the Great Cup coming to Winnipeg, Wade and Hamilton hosting the the game, the festival for the second time in three years. I thought they did a tremendous job in 2021 under the circumstance. Another great job by Hamilton in 2023. Green Day, I thought, was a tremendous halftime show. What what are some of the things overall do you think that the the league will be building on for 2024? And then uh, what are some of the things you saw maybe in Hamilton that you'd like to to build upon for, for 2025? You know, we, we've got our plan for 2025 and we look forward to it. I think 2024 and BC is going to be a great, great cup. And if you've never had a chance to go to a great cup or, or think about it, it's time to think about going to a great cup because it, as, as you talked about all those things, it's so much more than a football game on the weekend, right? And, you know, that great cup festival in every city is done uniquely and a little different every time, you know, for the flavor of the city and the culture of the city. And, you know, so I look forward to the BC one and then we look forward to, you know, having uh, all of Canada come come to Winnipeg in, in 2025 and celebrate and every Manitoba and get out, get involved in that festival. So it's going to be, uh, you know, so it's great with a couple of years of, of lead time here in runway uh, because we're going to we're going to knock it out of the park when it's our turn. Wade Miller, thank you very much for your time. We appreciate it, sir. Thank you. Have a great day, guys. Wade Miller, president and CEO of the Winnipeg Football Club, joining us live on 680 CJOB. We will hear from Kyle Walters uh, later on this morning. And so uh, keep it locked here to 680 CJOB. And uh, we will uh, hear from the the general manager at 10th season with the Blue Bombers. You can't argue with the success of this team under the leadership of Wade Miller, Mike O'Shea, and Kyle Walters. It's pretty darn impressive. 
This is a call the Winnipeg Fire Paramedic Service gets every single day, often dozens of times per day. Someone is reacting to something they deliberately ingested and they need help. So there's all sorts of things we know are out there. It could be intoxication from alcohol, there are reactions to meth, an overdose to meth, or an overdose from fentanyl. Numbers we know right across this country show overdoses are on the rise. Corey Guest is the public education coordinator with the Winnipeg Fire Paramedic Service and joins us now. Good morning, Corey. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for taking the time. I know you, you work hard to try to bring awareness to the community. I'm curious, what can you tell us about what the volume of calls you might be getting when it comes to overdoses and, and the kind of calls you're getting? Yeah, I think um, I've been saying for a while that definitely we've seen a significant increase since about 2016. Um, I'd say probably the difference today is the mixed bag of drugs that we're seeing um, we're seeing a lot of polysubstance use, so people are using multiple different drugs, uh, and we know how our patients are presenting. Um, they're presenting like they're taking a variety of different drugs. Um, the lethality and the toxicity, I'll say, of the current drug supply uh, is making people very, very sick, and it's making the treatment that we provide uh, significantly more um, difficult. And, so, and sorry, how many calls would you say you get a day on this kind of stuff? We do, but between ten and 15,000 substance use calls per year. Um, so there's some pretty big variables there, but I know the administration of um, naloxone has been dramatically increasing as of late. Um, the treatment that perhaps would have worked a month ago, two years ago, five years ago, is more difficult today. And I think that speaks to the toxic drug supply. Um, People are getting drugs that they don't always know what is in it. Um, so we're seeing, again, kind of a mixed bag of um, different drugs out there. You referenced naloxone there, Corey, and I was under the impression that was typically for fentanyl overdoses and opioid overdoses. Is it being applied just because you don't know necessarily what the person's reacting to and therefore you're using the naloxone? Yeah, so we don't have the ability to actually drug test um, in the field. So if a patient is presenting like they've overdosed on a drug like fentanyl, or if they're presenting with symptoms of a fentanyl overdose, the naloxone that we can administer will hopefully treat those symptoms and ultimately treat that patient. Um, It's a benign medication. So the naloxone will simply search for that opioid. It will compete with that opioid. Uh, If a patient does not have any opioid in their system, that naloxone just does its job and it leaves. Um, The drug supply we know is being cross-contaminated and laced with a variety of different drugs. Um, We're seeing, you know, benzodiazepines. There's a veterinary tranquilizer, uh, xylazine, that we've been seeing in Winnipeg for probably about six months now. Um, That does not respond to treatment and it's making people very, very sick. Corey, this is one of the conversations I think a lot of parents are having with their children, uh, young and old alike, and just getting that whole idea of we understand at some point you're going to be curious about certain things. And then this cross-contamination conversation comes up, Corey, and the idea of you don't know necessarily what you're taking. Can you expand on that? Yeah, and I I think my belief has always been if we provide fact-based education to our community so our youth and our community can make more informed choices, I think that's a victory. Um, we, this is a much, much bigger issue. We've acknowledged that the vast majority um, of substance use and addiction 
is ultimately triggered by trauma. So that could be anything from, you know, generational trauma, sexual abuse, physical abuse, bullying, mental health issues, homelessness. And I think until as a society we're able to tackle and prevent that trauma piece from happening, I think this response will only worsen. Where, you know, we talk often about where the calls might be coming, Corey, and then the idea that people assume that a certain demographic are the ones that are, are taking drugs. Are you, where are you seeing this happening? Because we talk about the people who might be on the street, the people who are tr- struggling, you talk about the trauma that's out there. But then Greg referenced the point about youth and young people. Are, are you seeing a growing number of concerning calls when it comes to, say, high school kids or university age? That's a great point, Lauren, and I, there, we can't deny that there's a heavy concentration downtown, um, but I always will remind the community that um, folks that don't have a home to hide their trauma or their substance use in perhaps make society think that it only happens down there, it only happens to those people, and that's really quite false. We have the disluxury, I'll say, in going into the peripheries of Winnipeg. Uh, where we see the addiction, where we see the trauma, but people can hide those issues in their big fancy home. Um, We are seeing, I would say, an increase of drug use really across the board. Um, It's encouraging to say that we don't see a lot of opioid use in schools. Um, I would like that trend to keep trending uh, upwards. Um, but I think as, you know, perhaps kids are more curious um, when we're seeing this mixed bag of drugs out there, I really want the community to know that you really don't know what you're getting. And this, you know, the drug supply of 2023 is not what it was in 2020, 2015. It's a really deadly cocktail of drugs that you are taking and you don't know what is in it. Corey, the uh, number of locations, uh, retailers, etc that have naloxone and, and, and these sorts of emergency supplies on hand. Is that, is that growing and, and is that their own initiative or is WFPS out there promoting that? So we have been uh, distributing uh, take-home uh, naloxone kits for about two years. Um, the harm reduction communities, the grassroots groups that are out there are doing a phenomenal job. Um, we support what they are doing. I think any awareness, any acknowledgement that this is a citywide problem is a sort of a small victory for us. Um, there's a lot of groups out there that are doing the best that they can. And all, some, you know, sometimes the community kind of treats itself. And I think we, we look to um, you know, support that. Um, any awareness is a victory. Um, if you see somebody that you think is affected by a drug like fentanyl or any street drug, uh, don't be scared to call us. Corey Guest is the Public Education Coordinator with Winnipeg Fire Paramedic Service, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Thank you very much for this. We appreciate the time, Corey. Have a great day. Thanks very much. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Our question of the day at cjob.com. Do you use all your vacation time in a year? Your options are yes or mostly, or I always have days left, or I don't get vacation time. So you can cast your vote at cjob.com. But we're asking that question, Loren, because as often happens, our, our first segment, I like to think of it as just it's our wake up, it's our warm up, it's our easing into the day. And sometimes we just start having a spontaneous chat about stuff. And then we really got rolling when it came to vacation time and benefits. Well, I had mentioned that I had got 
received an email a few days ago. I just found it about vacation requests from employees and how it was from an HR firm. Like, do you want to have a conversation about how you manage that? Because all of us right around this time of year are texting each other saying, oh boy, I've got extra days to use. I've got to use them. And then we started talking about what about the benefits when you get to the end of the year? Do you do you sort of rush to use any of those? Maybe take an extra trip to the massage therapist because you realize you didn't do any of it that year. It's just, it's just, it's like you're throwing away money. And particularly when it comes to vacation time, I'm always, I, I'm perplexed about the number of unused vacation days that sit on the table for so many people. We have the luxury of carrying over some, but if we don't, we do lose them. And again, that's, that's money. Is it, why do we let them sit there like that? Is it because we can't afford to go anywhere? And then you feel like, oh, if I just sit at home, it's not good. Or I can't, I can't do 19 golf vacations, so I right. have to not use my days. But on the flip side, you got to do what Forte's doing. I admire what Jeff Forte is doing. And Long look, weekends for weeks on end. And, and, you know, we're apparently not alone here because I'm looking at our question of the day. Do you use all your vacation time in a year? And only 50% of people so far are saying yes. Really? 21, almost 22% say, I always have time left. Unfortunately, 16% say, I don't get vacation time. That's brutal. And uh, about uh, 12 and a half, 13% of you saying that, yeah, mostly I use all of my time. And then in, you mentioned the, the benefits. Uh, I'll just say it. Derek Taylor and I were on the airplane on our way home from Hamilton. We were having a conversation about benefits. And uh, a couple of years ago, my dad reached out to me and, and said, do you make sure you use all your dental mm. benefits? My dad's retired now, has a couple of things that he's dealing with. Well, now that he's retired, he's paying for these things out of pocket, but he's come to realize that it, had he taken care of these things when he was employed and had tremendous benefits, he may not have been dealing with these things five, six, seven, ten years Good removed. Point. The preventative from, stuff. The preventative stuff, right? And and making sure that you take advantage of those benefits, especially in my dad's case, oral health care. So I made a promise. He made me promise him that I would always take advantage of my dental benefits because I'm a scaredy cat. I don't like the dentist. I've had two really, really negative experience with the dentist. And so now I've just kind of grin and bear it and make sure that I go for my checkups and my cleanings and, and that sort of thing. And it is something that I was hesitant to do. And and does everybody do it? Had me, had me wondering oh, that question. Oh, a ton of people don't. Dentists particularly. I bet a lot of people don't go to the dentist, um, whether they have the benefits or not. It's so pricey if you don't have the benefits. But even when you do... Um, there's just Sometimes the it doesn't co- co- cover Yeah, but there's the fear either. factor there, there, partly because dentists, to me, are the only place where the tools they use look like they're the original tools that were used since <laughs> the dawn of dental time. Because <laughs> You know when they reach for that tray and you just yeah. look at it, you're like, oh my, am I in a, like a prehistoric film right now where you're about to chip away at my teeth? Like I get that that's, they've evolved, but it doesn't feel like that. I but, know. But I don't, I, don't have, I don't know the last time I went to get my eyes checked and I know our optometry is a, the big complaint from listeners this morning saying they don't have, that's the one thing they vision don't have care. vision care. Yeah. But the self care that we, we could be doing if you're lucky enough to have a benefit package and don't is, is stupid. Feel free to weigh in on a question of the day and a reminder that we are asking you this morning about a time that you got something and then lost it right away. And Greg, what does Gina have to say? Oh, Gina says 12 or 13 years ago, I ran a fundraising social for my son's school Europe trip. For the silent auction, I had money donated and I bought an iPod. At the time, I bought the high-end one 
and I did not have an iPod myself. I think I had a BlackBerry for, for my phone. During the whole social, I kept telling people that I was going to win it. I think I even posted that I was going to win it on Facebook at the time. Well, I did end up winning the iPod. So we booked a trip to Europe to coincide with my son being there. We went on the train from London to Paris. I was using the iPod the whole trip with Wi-Fi to keep in touch. Wouldn't you know it? We got off the train and I could not find my new iPod. Yes, victorious figures is the way we wrap things up from Gina. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We're asking you about something that you got and then lost. Greg bought himself some nice gloves, some, some like practical gloves to Ugh, use at the Great Cup. Already forgot. And he can't find them. Thinks he lost them. That'd and be. so we're asking you to tell us a story for a chance to win either one of two prizes. And one of our, uh, this is like our, our third place. The podium finished, but we've only got two prizes. Lenore from the Oak says, my story for today is about corned beef. I went to the grocery store, did my shopping, came home, proceeded to put everything in the fridge. And as I was doing that, I was cleaning at the same time. And I suddenly realized the grocery store forgot to give me my corned beef. So I took my bill and I went back, showed them I had purchased it, but it wasn't in my bag. The clerk was quite surprised. She said she thought she remembered putting it in, but they were very gracious and refunded me. So when I went home, it all of a sudden hit me that maybe, just maybe, when I was cleaning the fridge as I was putting the fresh groceries away, that I could have chucked it in the garbage. Sure enough, there it was, all <laughs> wrapped up in the garbage. So I very sheepishly took my receipt and returned to the store for the third time and gave them their money back. Good for, good for Lenore. Her. That's pretty honest of you, Lenore. And, and good thinking as well. Our runner-up today, Greg, is Joan Roberts, who had a pretty touching story. When my father passed away when I was 40, my mother had necklaces containing dad's ashes made for herself, my niece, and for me. She was worried my niece, who was only 12 at the time, would lose hers, so she put that necklace in a shadow box. Unfortunately, she trusted me not to lose my necklace. Guess what? That is exactly what happened within a month Fast forward to my niece's high school graduation, and she completely outdid everyone by only wearing one piece of jewelry to her grad. When she was asked why she why she said she wanted her grandfather to be there with her. And Joan sent a lovely picture as well with the necklace on grad night. So, Joan, thank you for sharing that. So you get one of the prizes, but Loren, Daryl Finbogason is our winner today. And I think that's because it had uh, you and I, we were both thinking, this doesn't seem fair. Daryl says, way back in the summer of 75, our parents took us on a driving family vacation to Disneyland in California. We had a camper on the back of the truck, so obviously stopped at campgrounds. We stopped at one in the state of Nevada, and my brother and I were always playing pinball when we could. In Nevada, they have slot machines, not pinball. We didn't think anything was wrong, so put my quarters in the machine, played for about 15 minutes. Then I hit the jackpot. Lights are going off, sirens are blaring, coins are pouring out of the slot machine. The owners owners come running and kicked us both out with no money. We ran back to the camper to get Dad. We went back with Dad. The owner asks if I can read. Dad says yes. Owner says, read that sign. And at the top of the machine against the wall was a small sign. No one under 21 can play machine. I had to go against the back wall on my tiptoes to read it. That was the sign. I won the jackpot, had it for two seconds. 
Daryl says, oh, well, I probably would have spent it on something stupid anyway. They played for 15 minutes, yeah. so you kick them out when they win, but while they're playing and dumping their money into of the course. machine, oh, you're okay with that. Yep. What a scam. Scam artist. But this prize completely replaces that lost jackpot money, Daryl. <laughs> You're <right>. welcome. <laughs> and then some. A vehicle pass for Canadian's Wonderland, Canadian's Winter Wonderland, or Serena Ryder tickets to Club Region Event Center. Daryl gets to pick, and then Joan gets the follow-up prize. And before we say hello to our next guest, one final story about stuff that you got and then lost. Yes, hit me a couple different ways. One year, my daughter was working at a job that didn't pay her very well. For Christmas that year, she gave me a beautiful pair of Danier leather gloves that she really couldn't afford. Three weeks later, I was doing a fire alarm inspection at an inner city school. When I went to leave, no gloves. I looked all over. I checked the list. Check, checked everywhere and, and nothing, nothing, no avail. I have never forgot, forgiven myself for wearing those beautiful gloves that day. Oh, this is a, something I actually just yesterday, Brett, thought I might put that on a list this year, like a nice pair of leather gloves. They seem so impractical for the weather we endure, but I just think it looks so classy when you come in yep. with a nice coat on and you slowly do that like one finger each pull to take your gloves off while you're saying something very, hope, you know, intelligent and I don't know, looking, looking the part, you know? I know. I used to have an, a, a nice pair of gloves and I, and I, I, you can almost never wear them. I, at least for me, I have bad circulations in my uh, fingertips. So I, I, gloves just don't work mm-hmm. for me. And uh, I remember it was 15 years ago. I was dating somebody who's like, we're, we're going to the ballet. Like you got to wear those big clunky mitts. I'm like it's minus 25 out. You want me to put on those little goofy gloves? Like I might as well just wear nothing. <laughs> it would have looked so good. Yeah. Whatever. It's Suffer winter. for fashion, Gary. <laughs> winter. Uh, so thank you for that story. And thanks to all who participated. But speaking of cold, not super cold right now, but later tonight, a group of people will gather in a back alley in the exchange with some sleeping bags and not much more. And they're going to spend the night there, Loren. Yeah. So this group, you know, they're not homeless. They're not part of the vulnerable population, but they do want to experience what it might be like to live on the streets, at least for one night, as part of a fundraiser for an organization that tries to help homeless and at-risk men. That organization is called Pan Am Place. Our next guest is one of its co-founders. He's also going to sleep outside tonight with other partners and staff from FH Black and Company Chartered Professional Accountants. We say good morning to Harry Black. Good morning, everyone. Before we get into what's happening tonight, Harry, uh, tell us about Pan Am Place. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Um, Pan Am Place is um, an organization that we started uh, 10 years ago. In fact, this is our 10th year anniversary, August 2013 is when we started. It's a home for men, men that would otherwise be homeless. It's as simple as that. Uh, You think of your home, that's what Pan Am Place is. We provide our men, up to 20 men at a time, a place to live, which is a place to sleep, a place to eat. They prepare their own food. We have a gym right next door. That's the Pan Am Boxing Club. They participate in the workouts there for sort of physical and mental uh, relief. And uh, and then we mentor them. We coach them, just like we do over at the boxing club. We coach them through their day-to-day struggles, which do often include uh, past addictions to drugs and alcohol. 
Harry, I have to say, I think I remember your very first event like this one. Just maybe talk mm-hmm. about uh, a success story of uh, someone who spent time at Pan Am Place and, you know, name names mm-hmm. if you want or not. Uh, maybe just some circumstances that changed dramatically for someone that, that passed through those doors. Sure. Well, we have uh, we have a number. We do have you know some failures, but we have lots of success stories where young men come in and um, move on to what we would just take as a normal life. One fellow in particular uh, is over working at a at a fitness uh, club where uh, he helps others uh, solve their fitness issues. And I mentioned him uh, in particular. He had uh, alcohol addiction, and he has been dry for. A number of years now, but he's actually come full circle back to us and is now an employee at Pan Am Place part-time. So he carries out a full-time job uh, at uh, Good Life, in fact, and, and then comes over to us and spends a day to two days of uh, time with our, our men, uh, where he's used to be a peer. He still knows some of the young guys that are with us now, and he's now acting as their mentor uh, towards leading a clean and sort of just more of a normal life. So I think a really, a really simple but uh, dramatic story about how someone who was homeless, struggling with alcohol daily, who now is able to carry on a, a normal and happy, satisfying life like we all hope to enjoy. So the fundraiser is Cold Nights, Warm Hearts. What's happening tonight? How does it work? Uh, well, it's really simple. Uh, if you just want to close your eyes and pretend what it's like to be homeless, uh, that's what we'll be doing tonight, starting at 8 p.m. And we've we've done this a couple times before. In fact, we picked a winter night that w- turned out to be the coldest winter night in uh, the year, which is something close to 40 below. Tonight won't be like that. But we basically just assume the the role of not having a home to go go back to to sleep. We we being 15 ish plus 15 employees, plus another 10 or so partners are going to come out and join us in the laneway. The rules are simple. They're at 8 p.m. Stay till 8 a.m. Sleep as best you can on the ground. Uh, We're allowing, just like you would if you were homeless, if you had a sleeping bag or a carpet um, or cardboard, some blankets, and uh, you just sort of eke it out in the laneway. It's you know somewhat protected in there from the winds at least, and in terms of food or or beverages, the only the only things we'll be able to consume will be what people bring by, were they to be walking by or come down purposely to donate something to us. What if you have to go to the bathroom? Uh, what would you do if you had to go to the bathroom if you're homeless? It it would be to to sort of seek out a, a public. Uh, a public store like Tim Hortons that we've done that in the past, but uh, you know we have uh, have agreed to leave the side lane doorway open into the Pan Am Boxing Club, and you can find your way in there and find your way out in as quick a time as you can. You can't go in there and warm up, I guess is what we're saying, uh, purposely. So the bathroom uh, we uh, we can accommodate that, but um, we're really trying to stick to the the uh, situation that would be if you were you know on your own homeless you don't have really any resources maybe family or friends possibly but you know often we don't have either of those so you're looking to raise money Harry, mm-hmm. and I'm going to ask in a second mm-hmm. about how people can help out if they're interested but you know there are all sorts of ways to fundraise and you're doing something that's um 
pretty challenging. This is difficult. This, you know, it's just one night, but depending mm-hmm. on the night, and you mentioned it being minus 40 some years, it could, it could be a brutal night. And so I'm curious why do it this way and, and what your response from your staff is for this, because it's pretty compelling what's going on in the next 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, um, we just thought we would try to step into the shoes of those that were homeless to really demonstrate to others that we're very committed to the cause. And it isn't, honestly, it's not about awareness of homelessness. I think we all are extremely aware of the homeless situation in Winnipeg and across the country. It's constantly being referred to. So we're really not trying to generate any more awareness about homelessness. It's it's really simply to be dramatic, in a dramatic way, rather, uh, raise funds for our organization that does something right in the center of the exchange, right in the center of Winnipeg, a huge need. We have a waiting list for men. So we thought pick, pick an activity that is exactly what homeless people go through. Show everyone else that we're committed to, to trying to live a life for a night, at least that way. And that might be enough to cause people to uh, come down and donate to us. Donate? Either donate uh, sorry? Go ahead, Harry. Yeah, either donate uh, directly on site, come down and visit us on the laneway, in the laneway rather, between Pan Am Boxing Club and uh, Pan Am Place, which is right on the corner of Arthur and McDermott, and it'll be easy to find us. Uh, or you can go to our website at uh, panamplace.com to donate. There's a link there. 8 p.m. tonight until 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. Thanks mm-hmm. thanks for doing this, Harry, and we appreciate you. Uh, just, you know, like you say, it's one thing to bring awareness to the situation is a whole other thing to try and do something about it. And the way you've gone about it for a decade now is uh, absolutely stellar. We appreciate you. Well, thanks for saying that. Yeah. Really, really want to encourage people to come down and donate. Let's do something about it as opposed to be aware of the issue in Winnipeg. I think uh, Pan Am Place is a great, great place, great way to do that. And thank you for your time here, everyone, this morning. Harry Black joining us live on 680 CJOB, co-founder of Pan Am Place. He'll be sleeping outside tonight with other partners and staff from FH Black and Company, chartered professional accountants. And he referenced that coldest night of the winter. Mm. I remember that. And we, we, we teed that up. And I couldn't believe that they were going through with it. Like, it's going to be like minus 40 or minus 45 wind chill tonight. Oh. You know what stands out this week in all the terrible conversations we've had to have about crime and the shootings and homeless and addictions today than people that are willing to step up and do things to try to make a difference, whether it's the folks on West Broadway, the Bear Clan there, the residents who are fighting for their street, or folks like Harry and his staff who've created it. He and his wife created Pan Am Place. 800 young men have been helped by that organization, and, and they're continuing to do what they do in a tremendous way.